Money. You can't really get through life without it. Some people use it to define success, others use it to attain freedom. Whatever your motivation, you need to know how to earn it, how to use it, and how to grow it. This is Tilly Money. This is a courtesy trigger warning that this podcast episode contains discussion of mental health themes, including PTSD and suicide. If you're feeling suicidal, the Lifeline telephone call service is available 24-7 at 13 11 14 and Beyond Blue at 1300 22 46 36. Our guest today is Ali Kelly, founder and CEO of MindBlank. Ali's personal experience with mental health struggles and family experience with suicidal behaviour fueled her passion for mental health awareness. MindBlank's aim is to reduce the risk of suicide through interactive and innovative programs in schools, communities and workplaces. In 2017, Ali won the Mental Health Matters Award for mental Health Promotion, and in 2019, the Mental Health Services Award for Mental Illness Prevention. Welcome to Tilly Money Podcast, Ali. Thank you. Look, this is such an important topic. It's, it always has been, I guess, the awareness has been raised so much more of mental health in our society, Ali, and uh, thankfully it's increasingly being spoken about. Can you give us a little bit of detail about your background, your experience, and why you're so passionate about mental health awareness. Yeah, not a problem. This is always an interesting uh, moment to start. Typically, I would start sharing my story because uh, mental health in the family actually started, my very first memory was at age six. I became a carer for my mother who's been constantly suicidal throughout her life. Um, and I do recall one of my first experiences was uh, she did hit quite a deep depression and I remember walking into her room and all the lights were off and she was just bawling her eyes out and I remember my father's reaction to that was just simply don't worry about it she'll get over it because he'd seen it time and time again and I do have an older brother that's a few years older than me but he was so much better at being able to pull himself away from that and go play computer games in the other room and my first memory at that young age was I didn't know what else to do but crawl into bed with her and I cried so my level of empathy and that journey of my understanding and wisdom for the importance of taking care of your mental health and well-being started at that young age. I didn't know then that that would become what I dedicate my life to do. Uh, without, with my own personal story, the apple doesn't fall far from, from the tree, they say. And I have had my own struggles of mental health. Depression did take six months of my life. Uh, I had experienced the clinical diagnosis would be uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So I too know what it's like to go through the system 
and go through the motions of within my own experience there were certainly days where it was a struggle to get out of bed where sitting next to me my phone would be there ringing and going off and there's concern and contact there but not having an inch of energy just to pick up that phone even though you know that you'll feel better if you do or that you know that you need all this extra support around you but when you're inside of it uh, sometimes it takes all your strength just to get out of bed that day and Ali do you mind me asking how old you were when you had this very difficult experience for six the six months yeah, look, I was in my early 20s. So um, I will just share a little bit to say that what actually triggered the post-traumatic stress was an incident that was triggered, a very mild sexual harassment case. But what had happened is that triggered some previous childhood trauma. So I know that struggle having lived it through my mum's story, but then I know it firsthand. And what was interesting is at the time I was actually studying psychology and it was interesting that none of my peers actually knew what to do. When you have someone that clearly is showing signs where they're an emotional mess, because every day sometimes it could just be uh, not being able to, to function correctly or the smallest things triggering just wells and wells of tears. And I'm very fortunate that there was actually a first year uni student that crossed paths with me who just happened to have been doing an internship at a local GP clinic. And um, she was told that the pathway is, you know, you need to see a trauma counselor. She handed me a business card and that set me on my journey to get help. Um, and that, that journey is gonna be different for everyone, but I can tell you that my experience wasn't necessarily that smooth. I um, just went to the local clinic and the person that I was given as a doctor was this middle-aged, uh, I say not middle-aged, I'd say he was in his 60s. He was a balding Indian man that I had nothing in common with and telling him that I needed to get a mental health plan. It was really interesting to see how awkward he was. He didn't ask me any further questions, but he prompted through to fill out the paperwork. And lucky I had a, a business card of a trauma counselor. So I knew exactly who I wanted to be referred to. Um, but generally if, if you haven't had that experience before, you may not know that pathway. The general public doesn't always realise that there's a six-week to six-month waiting list there to get help. Um, and when it comes to mental health and mental illnesses, some of this journey that you'll be taking for recovery can be a lifelong lesson. Mm. So was the difference, say, between what you experienced and then what your mum went through without delving too much into that situation that your poor mum went through was that you reached out for help was that the kind of turning point for you because a lot of people what I'm hearing too is a lot of people don't reach out or don't know where to go or don't know what to do yeah look there's a lot of barriers and stigmas that can prevent people from actually uh reaching out and getting that help um I know for me the moment that I got help uh, was the moment that I broke that cycle. What I now know is I've actually had generations of women in my family line who have struggled with depression and particular suicidality. 
but from what I hear through my mother's direct line and her um, relatives above her, many have gone through that cycle. The barrier to seek help, yes, some of those stigmas could have been present, but also she's from um, Peru. So you're talking a third world country that does not have the same health facilities that we do have here in Australia. Um, so I am lucky to be living proof of that generation generational uh, break of cycle and I am pleased to share that through my journey yes starting mind blank and I'm sure we'll talk more about that later but through my journey I've been able to actually help support my mother actually seeing a trauma counsellor to begin her own process of healing as well. Gee, that's good to hear because I was wanting to ask you about you know your mum and what that happened there but um, so I'm pleased to hear that your learning and your reaching out has then helped others, which is really the point of this interview as well. Um, you know, that through listening to your experience, to listening to what might the work that Mind Blank does, anyone who is in a difficult situation knows their help. And I think that we might be putting the horse before the cart, but there are there are free government um, um, sponsored um, sessions you can have with a psychologist. Is that right, Ali? That for anybody that does need help. Is support yes. there? Can you tell Absolutely. us a little bit about that? I'm glad you raised it because if there's one takeaway we can get from this interview, that's a fantastic one, is that if you or yourself or someone in your network, someone around you needs help, you can go to the GP, you can get on a mental health plan and there are 10 to 20 free sessions that you can get uh they will link you with a psychologist, counsellor. There's various different pathways there. But the first step uh, is to actually get on the mental health care plan and you can actually get 10 free sessions. I think they've boosted it up to 20 at the moment because of COVID. Uh, they're issuing out additional sessions. So it's not necessarily a large cost to you at all to take those initial steps. And each year they'll renew those sessions as well. Because sometimes too, it's such so good to hear that. Sometimes too, Ali, I remember when I had two little children and my dad and my mum, great parents, they were, you know, older when they got married and I was the youngest of a big family. So they were, were quite um, old when I had my kids and dad had Parkinson's disease and my mother was doing her very best as a carer. But I had also had two little children and being the youngest, you know, I love my parents dearly, I wanted to help. And I, could, I wouldn't say that I had a mental health problem, but I almost like I thought I don't want to have one because I'm under so much stress here with two babies, great husband, but you know, two babies and all those stresses that come with raising children, a mortgage, all that kind of stuff. And then my parents, who I really you know, was helping and needed to help more. Um, so I went to the doctor and said, look, I'm okay, but I just want to make sure that I strengthen myself up. So I, I don't want medication, I just want to talk to someone. So, and that while there weren't those free sessions, I had to pay. But I found that, and you know, the side product of that, and I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts with this, I actually grew as a person. Yeah, fantastic. So, do you find that kind of thing from what you learned when you said in your 20s, you know, you went and sought help? It's, did you find that it wasn't just dealing with maybe the anxiety or some related depression or whatever, that you started understanding yourself a bit better? Oh, look, absolutely. Uh, there's a few things in that question that I just want to address is 
just going back to the mental health plan and the free sessions, if you're at crisis and you are in desperate need, there are ways to remove the financial barrier. Like there's so many services out there in community you can get help from, but there is a bit of a minefield to actually know because sometimes people can go to follow those steps and to get on a mental health care plan and they may actually link you up with a paid service or a gap. There could be through a Medicare card, you pay for a majority and then they ask you to pay the gap, which depends on... Uh, where you're at can vary so it's good to know that if you are in a financial situation where you can't pay you can actually ask and request further support and mm-hmm. see what the doctor can do for you um so am i hearing in, you right Ellie, in saying that your gp is your first point of call so i was going to say can you go to a website but if you have this understanding that if you wanted to talk to someone the first port of call is go to a gp it's the, it's the easiest and mm. simple pathway to refer, okay. so absolutely. And just know that your GP is going to vary. Some are really well-equipped and knowledgeable about the mental health sector and what services they can guide you to, and others may not necessarily be um, – that may not be their forte, mm. so mm. you can get a bit of a potluck, but mm. certainly if you start by asking questions at your GP service, they should be able to guide you. Um, but just to address – the question you actually asked is what I think is great from that story that you shared is there is a stigma that if you go see a counsellor or a psychologist, they're going to give you medication. And um, people don't often realise or know that you can actually go to that psychologist and say, I'm not interested in the medication treatment. I'm actually interested in other pathways and they primarily will actually start you doing um, cognitive behavioural therapy pathways, which, you know, talk therapy. So there's many different options that you can actually take that aren't necessarily the medical, uh, the medication one, but I know that that's a barrier for people. That's one of the hesitations for wanting to go talk to a, a mental health professional. Well, it, cert- it certainly was for me. I mean, the first thing I said was I'm not here for medication. I'm really here because I want to pay someone who's a professional to help me help myself cope and then help my parents, you know, and get it all in balance. And so it was more that I didn't really – I could have gone to friends, but I actually wanted to pay someone where it was confidential and I knew that the support was support in this case from, with someone who was an expert in that area. And, uh, and you're right, you know, there is a stigma about, you know, oh, they've got a mental health problem. But in many ways, we all have our own levels of mental health problems. Mm, for sure. And what I like about your story is you are proactive in engaging with early intervention, mm. as in you wanted to actually get in there before there was an issue mm. and have a chat to develop some skills, which is a fantastic wellness strategy. Exactly. So you, can, mm. you can go to your psychologist and say, I want to develop myself with some leadership skills and they can give you some great yeah. cognitive behavioural therapy tools for that, you know. Um, so they are really there to support you as a person and your goals. But I feel like one one reason the health system becomes pushed into crisis is just – I promise I'll just be really quick with this That's one. That's okay. The health model is an illness one, as in – 
we wait until people get sick and then the services kick in. So that's what the hospital's for. It's like people are sick, well, let's actually put a hospital there so we can heal people. And same with this mental health space is if people wait until it's too late before they seek help, they could likely be seeking help at that crisis point. I need it now. I need to put that oxygen mask on now. So they've ignored all these early warning signs and they've waited until it's got so bad that they're desperate for help. And it's actually quite counterproductive for our health systems, like six-week to six-month waiting list. If you need it now and you're desperate for it, what do you do in the meantime? Um, so the more we can actually educate ourselves to be proactive about taking those early intervention uh, steps, seeking help early, building these skills, building that resilience around you, hopefully we won't have to wait until it gets so bad that we need it now. Mm, very true. Take us, Tell us then, um, from somewhere along the line, you developed this idea for your business, Mind Blank. Talk us through that, Ali. Yeah, I do have a bit of a different story. I'm aware of that. At age 22, mm. I decided to start a charity. Um, so my professional background is I was actually studying psychology and the performing arts, and I actually didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I knew I was passionate about both fields, but um, hadn't quite decided what that was, and We've talked about my why, so what is that motivation and passion driving to do something different here? So that was always part of my story. But I actually came across there's a theatre practice called Forum Theatre and the concept is theatre to provoke change. And that's when my light bulb came in to say, hey, this is actually what I want to do. And I just knew from that moment I needed to show the world what it was. Because if when I was younger, if I'd have seen something like the programs that we're running now, boy, would my life be different. Yeah, uh, I do recall coming from the background um, that I have, I remember instances in kindergarten where I was like, craving for just someone to pay enough attention to get extra help you know um it's interesting because there were red flags there even my year one report card was saying you know Alison's doing all right in arts and create creative you know subjects but falling behind in reading writing and arithmetic because mm -hmm. due to illness and I was like as an adult brain, I looked at that going, I don't remember being ill as a kid. So I called my parents out to say what was going on. And it turns out I was missing school because I was on suicide watch. Mm. They knew that if us kids took time off and could be there for my mother, she wouldn't hurt herself mm. around us. So mm. there are red flags like throughout my schooling to say that if people had asked a question to prompt it further, maybe there could have been that gesture of help earlier. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's tough for a kid because it's re role reversal. You've got, yeah, the, you've sure. got the kid, the child who's being the parent. Yeah, to the, to sure. the parent, yeah, that's tough stuff. So when you're 22, okay, so when – tell us more about Mind Blank. Yeah, so I got the light bulb to want to do more and 
I needed to show the world. And I had a friend of mine that had actually, that I'd met through university who actually started her own charity. Her name's Melissa Abergazalia. So she ended up being New South Wales Young Australia of the Year a Mm. couple of years ago. Mm. So she too was kind of in that space of uh, starting a business early. And I used to see her um, every weekend. She was hosting a gala dinner or she was in the newspaper or always keeping uh, busy but with community. So she actually helped guide me through the very first stages of register a business name, get an ABN. If you want to be treated uh, properly, incorporate the business. So I started my business journey and the first thing that we did was collaborated with uh, the local university and showcased the work. So how Forum Theatre works is we share stories of lived experience. So someone has gone through a mental health struggle and we work with professional actors and the story does end on a negative note, but you actually have a facilitator outside the storyline that guides the audience after the whole show ends. It guides the audience through the very pivotal points in which you can actually intervene to help support the character. Mm. So we highlight the mental health journey because often you can see how mental health erodes over time and we make sure that we highlight what the help-seeking pathways are. So that's the concept. I initially went out there and did a bit of market research to say what actually exists in the world that's doing exactly this Mm -hmm. and I found very few Mm -hmm. um I found some similar you know there's a health district doing a play just a stage play about mental health you know I found there were some programs uh federally but I'd never seen anything like this Mm. so we showcased a pilot and from the pilot I ended up getting some great collaborations with the local health district and in my first year of business I ended up securing $180,000 of of, um, starting uh, capital to get you know a trial of the program going Mm -hmm. yeah and so it was a real chance from that initial pilot we realized the model actually really related to the high school uh, cohort Mm. so at the start we were very much youth-led just youth was our market partnering with the local health district allowed us to get some research done so that we could actually showcase the program outcomes Uh, what I learned already from that early stage was I thought what I had to do was spend another 10, 20 years becoming an expert in this field before I got started. What I realised is I don't need to be a clinical mental health psychologist to do this. We just need to work alongside them. Today's episode is brought to you by our principal partner, Mortgage Choice. For almost 30 years, Mortgage Choice and its national network of mortgage brokers have been helping Australians just like you realise their property ownership goals. They put your best interests as their top priority because they work for you, not lenders. Whether you are looking to buy your first home or investment property or want to refinance an existing home loan to get a better deal, let a Mortgage Choice broker answer all your questions, show you what's available 
and do the legwork for you. Visit mortgagechoice.com.au or call 13 77 62 to speak to your local broker today. So it sounds to me like you've done a lot of market research, you identified a gap in the market, you were clever enough to get financial backing and then you had this concept, so then you had proof of concept. At what stage then did you think, I'm going to last, this business is going to last beyond, you know, when the 180000 dries up? Tell, mm. Take us from there. Yeah, look, that's a good question because that – it's a real test of the skills after that point. Mm. Um, but after we had the initial uh, funding, the first year of business really, that was the opportunity to see where to next. And already there was a lot of buzz created. We had 26 schools involved. Uh, from memory, there was already the first couple of thousand young people that went through the program. And collaboration-wise, we started to receive interests to uh, work in various different states and territories in Australia. So something had, we'd started to see that we actually had a product that had a rather unique value point that we could help support. It's, it's an interesting uh, business because we fit in education health and arts if you imagine a venn diagram we're right in the middle of all three of them but i certainly did need help to create what that big vision picture would be for mind like like initially the sky is the limit we were thinking wouldn't it be fantastic to get the program into every school in australia um, what we found though is we we were on a wave of almost being too innovative too soon if that makes sense because mm -hmm. we were riding the prevention wave mm. before prevention became too popular if that makes sense mm, so so we applied for council of art funding and got told this is not art this is education and the department of education when we were working alongside them there was just so much red tape for a small startup business that we just couldn't um we couldn't answer all the needs at that stage and the only other sector space that we kind of fitted in already was the health space. And how we ended up growing the business was, especially in the starting phase, is that we partnered with organisations that had early intervention as a priority. So that wasn't every single health um, uh, service provider, but there were a few select health service providers that understood the need and understood the value that helped us to scale a business, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And I'll share an example of that. Please um, do. I spoke at a conference, a National Suicide Prevention Conference back in 2016, and I actually was literally chased out of the room by a social worker to say, you have to come to work in Darwin, you have to work in Darwin. And at that stage, we'd actually received three different requests to help support working alongside some First Nations young people. And the thing is, they were only initial inquiries and they didn't really go anywhere. Um, we wanted to work in that space, but we were trying to make some connections. It was taking time and we were happy to yarn, but sometimes that wasn't really going anywhere at that uh, 
at that local council level. Um, what we found though was we ended up partnering with Team Health. So they're a top end mental health service provider. And this year, 2021, we're actually celebrating working five years alongside them. Mm, so, yeah, thank you. And it is a real, um, like it's a fantastic and really exciting collaboration to work alongside. So what we ended up doing by collaborating together is Mindlake was able to offer the prevention angle, the early intervention, uh, an engaging model that was fun, that was different, that in the Northern Territory, you've got, it's the number one leading cause of uh, death, like the territory is the highest in all of Australia. And so there's this big problem and an issue that health wants to help support. And what you have is Team Health offers the actual intervention support. So they offer the crisis, um, the, the outreach, they've got various family and children's services. So working alongside them, we're able to offer prevention and a direct link into a service that can answer some of the need if anyone uh, is uh, finding after the program that they identify with the story and needs help now. So what we were able to do in the first year is just initially show what uh, the product is and how it works. And in the second year, we were able to work locally to work with some local script writers. We developed um, a script from Daily River, which is one of the communities up near Kakadu National Park. We actually hired some young talent from up in Darwin to be able to train the trainer model each year we host 26 different schools working in Darwin, Palmerston and some Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander communities around the, the, the Kakadu National Park there. So we actually have been fortunate enough to receive an award for that collaboration. So well that's an example of how we align with services that understand that need. But um, what we're now seeing in the mental health sector, so this year, Mindblank celebrates our 10th year, um, and it's the first time ever that I'm hearing the government prioritising prevention as a number one need. Mm. You know, first time they're starting to really uh, identify the need to get in for early education, prioritise children and youth, mm. and workplace mental health as well has been flagged as a top five priority. Well, good on you, because I'm sure that what you're doing at Mindblank is contributing to that. So largely... For anyone listening, you, you, Mindblank uses these kind of innovative programs and what you're calling the forum theatre, and you're really aiming to help young people who could be at risk or people, young people who are under stress in schools, communities, um, even workplaces. I guess that's a different age group then. It's, is that the core of Mindblank then? Of course. So raise awareness and build skills to help understand how to implement early intervention. How that works in the workplace is slightly different. So obviously you do have adult audiences. What we've found is that we've worked alongside many union bodies 
because what's happening is the policy is changing. So work health and safety laws and legislations do incorporate mental health now. But what we're finding is a lot of businesses don't fully understand that. So very much they've got the tick of the box saying they might have an EAP service, which is the crisis end, but they may not actually have strategies in place guided by mental health policies. They may not have um, clear pathways to help in the early intervention side of things. So what promotions are they putting in place? And when staff aren't necessarily skilled on knowing what to do in a time of need, sometimes you just have that organic uh, way of dealing things that pops up. Mm. Um, so an example is when workplaces don't have clear defined policies to know what to do in a time of need you've got things like accidental counseling that pops up so for it's pretty straightforward what's an accidental counselor it's when you accidentally become a counselor but you're not a mental health professional and it's really counterproductive for the person that needs help as well as the person that's filling those shoes of the mental health professional because what happens is it delays the whole process to get early intervention right, the sooner you get someone actual support, the sooner they are on their recovery journey. Mm -hmm. But if you delay that, withhold that information, don't encourage them to seek out professional assistance, then that's going to prolong their suffering throughout that journey. So what we would do for a workplace is we would um, have a chat to them, see what uh, we might have some tools that we could provide to help them identify what type of psychological hazards they may see in their sector or workplace, etc. We then help them paint a picture as to what mental health could look like for them through a live forum, which could use theatre or videos. But our aim is similar to the, the work with the youth space is we want to raise awareness and we want to build some skills. All what you're saying is very, very valuable and certainly something that we'd like to talk to you about at another time. Just for sure. a moment, if we could just concentrate on you, the leader, and you, the businesswoman. And for anyone, you know, of our Tilly audience, you know, a lot of people have this desire to, um, you know, be a businesswoman within someone else's business or run their own business themselves. Have you got any tips that you could share with them about leadership, you know, that things that you've learned that maybe have to do with having a very healthy mental attitude, but it could even go beyond that? Yeah, look, absolutely. There's so many insights to focus on. Um, I think reflecting on the very first step, if someone wants to start a business and they've never started one before and they don't know where to go or what to do, my tip would be, Go out there and find out what already exists because I find that you, you may not be that unique in your thinking and you may be able to find something that's like-minded and you may be able to learn from how they've structured themselves, how they price themselves, how, like what are their pain points because all of that knowledge is going to help you within your own business journey mm -hmm. and if you can get your foot in the door to get experience with them that's only going to set you up even further when you're ready to take your own business out in that direction mm, without a doubt yeah um, my second tip would be to know your weaknesses as well as your strengths you know key skills that got me to where I am is confidence persistence passion but 
what I realized is if I'm not strong in finance or um, HR, go and find someone that is strong in finance and get them on your team. You know, so you don't have to be good at everything, no. but... <laughs> well, I'd like, I'd like to put a plug in for us because if you're not strong at finance, go yes. to www.tillymoney.com.au because we'll help you. So important, especially on that business journey. It's not just about organic, you know, I like baking cupcakes. Mm. You know, you need to know your numbers. Yeah, definitely. And you'd know that from being in business. You know, you might have the most incredible idea. You might be passionate and you, I mean, if you've got persistence, you will learn the finance and, you know, you might be confident. They were the three things that you said were attributable to, to you. But if there's no money coming in or you can't, you know, pay your bills, well, the very best of ideas, they just don't get anywhere. Absolutely. And it's worth spending time to build a little bit of skill. You don't have to be necessarily the expert, but I've found it very helpful to put enough effort into the finance side to make sure you're pushing out what that cash flow projection is you know no one wants any surprises mm. um, and it's you need to be able to see where you're at at any given time so it's a little bit more effort to make sure you're up to date with it all but it's going to be worth it for the long haul. Ali you told us about um, you know you reach kind of a crisis after you know a number of years where as a child you were coping with a lot of difficult things that in an ideal world, a child shouldn't have to cope with. Um, and it hit a bit of a crunch point for you and that triggered you, you know, to also go and get help. But if you could go back then, you know, we ask a question here at Tilly Money Podcast and we say that what advice would you give to your 21-year-old self? And we always say if you'd listen because we know that us girls sometimes, you know, particularly at that age, we think we know everything and we don't listen. But if you could go back and tell that kind of, Maybe a little, like the frightened child inside a, an early 21, 22-year-old body. What, what would you say to, say to that young Ali? Good question. Um, top of the mind, I would say that it will get easier. Um, and I'll elaborate on that a little bit more to say, um, you know, when because at that age I was getting prepared to start my own business and that was when you do have to go through the grid of it all to get started, but it does get easier. Um, but also from that personal front that I had no idea that my personal story would end up inspiring thousands of young Australians now, if that makes sense. So it is worth it. Mm. Would you give her those three things that you just said, confidence, persistence... Oh. You know, and the third one, I've lost it, but you can fill me in on the third one. Mm, confidence, persistence and passion. Passion, of course. Mm. <laughs> I probably would have already had some level of some of those skills, but the difference I think now, now that I'm into my 30s and 10 years in business is a little bit easier than that startup phase for mm -hmm. sure. But I think what I used to do when I was a lot younger was take that persistence so literally. Like, I'll give you a metaphor. I think when I was younger, I was prepared. If a brick wall came in front of me, I was prepared to do whatever it would take mm. to knock it down. Mm. So just imagine I would arm myself with a helmet and I'd just keep headbutting the wall if mm. I had to just to get a chance for the brick to kind of like loosen up a little bit. And what I now know is that there are people that you can collaborate with that will show you an open door mm, or, mm. or 
you can buy support or help or, you know, just imagine you can get a sumo wrestler to come up next to you that can <laughs> diminish that barrier so you don't have to necessarily take persistence too literally. No, no, it's very true, Ali. And it sounds like that young young girl um, has listened well and what you're doing with Mind Blanks is so important. Look, we'd love to keep this because this isn't just a one conversation and we know everything about mental health. You know, we'd love to keep in touch with you and um, be able to provide our happy subscribers um, to Tilly Money. We'd be able, you know, perhaps through some more interviews with you, just raise awareness there. So thank you so much for your time today um, and proud of what you're doing. Not a problem. Really appreciate you calling out and more than happy to stay in touch. Thanks, Ali. All the very best to you. Fantastic. Take care now. If you found this interview distressing, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14 and Beyond Blue at 1300 224 636. Your host this week was Maureen Jordan. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up to date with all of our content, follow us on Instagram at tilly.money. Thanks to Ixon for our intro music.